Hi, welcome to another episode of Network, WIMSA's podcast. We are here today with Claire McMaster, the Executive Head of Human Resources from Fraser Alexander, and I'm Bryony Lieber, one of the members of the WIMSA committee. Today we are starting off our podcasts for the month of August, celebrating Women's Month and celebrating the Digital Diaries program that WIMSA is running for the next four Thursdays. Uh, we're very pleased to be talking about careers today and our theme of focus and what it takes to have a career in mining. Claire, welcome to Network, the WIMSA podcast. It's lovely to have you here today. We're talking about what it takes to have a career in mining. Excellent, Bryony. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. So Claire, you've spent the majority of your career working in the mining industry. Can we maybe start with getting a sense of how you came into mining as a practitioner in human resources? Not intentionally. And I think that's one of the things, you know, that we say to young graduates is that they need to be incredibly intentional about their career development. But that's not my story. I grew up in Cape Town. And to be quite honest, I never gave mining that much thought. And, it, you know, it wasn't part of um, my life. And it, certainly I didn't know anybody who worked in a, in a mine. But I moved to Johannesburg after university. My husband and I got married quite early on. And I was on honeymoon and I had a few extra days back in Johannesburg. And I opened a newspaper and saw an advert to run a placement agency, a specialist placement agency called Geostar. So I thought, well, um, that looks interesting. At the time, I was working in a finance department for an end user support company in the IT industry and really, um, you know, wanted to get started in my the HR side of my career. So I called up the ad and went off to have a meeting with with Mike Scott, who was then the, the owner of Geostaff. And um, two days later, I was working in the mining industry. <laughs> So it's, it sounds completely unintentional, very similar to my path um, in that, yeah, I didn't know anything about mining until suddenly I was working for a mining consultancy. So, yeah, this advice we give to all these young graduates about being intentional about their careers is not necessarily what we practice, but sometimes it's not about being intentional about the industry that you land up in, but more about being intentional in uh, what you want to achieve and how you want to be experienced in your career, I guess. 100%. And maybe the the sort of skill set that you want to acquire, but not necessarily in, in which industry. But having said that, we also, um, we put quite a lot of effort into attracting people into our industry, you know. So for me, having walked that path and just happened upon the mining industry, it's, it's quite strange that I've dedicated quite a lot of my life to encouraging other people and particularly women to come and work in the mining industry. Well, and it's an industry that's fascinating. There's so much depth and diversity to it. And I think a lot of people assume that a, a career in the mining industry means you need to be a mining engineer um, and actually work in the kind of the muck of mining. But, I mean, every single possible career path exists in the mining industry, and I think that's an important message for people to know. So what I wanted to ask you first off is you are the executive head of human resources at Fraser Alexander, and so you deal with kind of the strategic, um, the administrative issues, the employee issues, um, all of the kind of the human resources issues. And I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about some of the challenges in human resources, specifically in the mining industry right now. 
definitely. Um, you know, it's a it's a very exciting time to be in in HR and in the mining industry, and in fact, in in any industry. But in mining, we are automating, we're digitizing, we're employing AI, robotics, we're mechanizing, and um, you know, while they're phenomenal health and safety benefits and efficiency benefits and, you know, opportunities for people from um, different genders. All of these opportunities are being generated, but we don't um, necessarily have the right skills yet to support this change. I think we are even developing sort of clarity on on what that skill set are. What do we need? Are our leadership digitally ready? Um, you know, are our leaders of, of the various different mining houses and the businesses that operate in this industry, are we able to prioritize what our strategic digital projects should be? And do we have the supporting data scientists, programmers, software specialists, change managers, very important, project managers, mathematicians, um, to roll out all of the, the different initiatives that, that we require, you know, we also obviously um, require a certain level of mechanics, other technicians to, to support this, the right kind of, there's a big drive around ESG, the right kind of environmental, social governance skills. And then all of this is taking place, you know, this move to AI and digitization is taking place in an environment, particularly in South Africa, where we have a large labor force and we have high unemployment rates and we still require, you know, we have a very real need to bring our labor force up to a level that they need to operate in in, in the mine of the future or phases we talk about the, the mine of the immediate future because a lot of our innovative initiatives actually are busy being rolled out. So there's a there's a great skills gap um, that needs to be filled quite quickly in in our country and in in the global mining industry. You described some very complex issues there. I mean, it's especially in our context of unemployment and lack of skills, and then talking about AI and robotics and automation and digitalization. Those are not words that one typically thinks about when you think about mining. That transition is is complex and, and certainly no simple answers there. Yeah, and and as you said, it's occurring in an environment that um, that's constantly changing. I mean, if we look at our, our labor relations, you know, the we know that we need to have stronger um, partnerships between our unions and, and companies, and that traditionally they've been viewed as having competing agendas. But you know, if if COVID taught us anything, is that the, the role players need to work together to to come up with with a solution. So, I think that's going to be a very very real challenge too. That these these two parties that are used to you know being ad- adversarial towards each other have to come together and figure out how do we work together to make sure that the four hundred and fifty thousand people who are um, employed in our industry in South Africa are able to rise to the challenge of you know AI digitization, et cetera, et cetera. And we we've got a lot of work to do there. I know certainly we've done some some building block work at um, Fraser's where we've sponsored you know maths and science programs and uh, rolled out technology in, in in schools that then or a school that then is able to um, provide young um, minds who are then able to go on to to get the right degrees at university but that's that's the long play yeah. we we need um, a lot more people in our industry and a lot more people graduating who are then able to take on on those challenges 
And uh, there's so many um, other challenges. Obviously, we know that um, diversity and leadership drives the appropriate thinking and that, that obviously that has an impact on performance. Therefore, we need um, new leadership policies that encourage inclusion, collective approaches. We made a lot of progress in implementing such policies that drive goal setting, but we need a, um, a lot more work done on our practical challenges. You know, if once again, if COVID stores us anything that we can, you know, I think we've all, uh, I, I certainly look back on the last sort of six months of, of this year and I think, wow, you know, we, we did a lot of talking in the years leading up to 2020, but in 2020, we found that everything was possible. You know, if we, when we, we spoke about being flexible and, and, and working from home, all of a sudden we had to, and we had a, a very real need. You know, one day we were sitting in office and the next, next minute we had an entire workforce and in our case, our support workforce, obviously, because we continue to work through throughout COVID and, and, um, and skeleton staff and I'm at obviously 50% in the various different stages of lockdown. And but all of a sudden we were able to to work from home very quickly. And, you know, our, our trust uh, dynamic, it wasn't a it wasn't a strategic decision or it wasn't a debate whether or not you could trust people to work from home. You just did. And you, you saw that they were able to meet those challenges. COVID has really pulled the trigger and kind of forced us to kind of be thrust into the future. It's, it was very easy before this to look at all these futuristic ways of doing things and think, well, we'll do that at some point in the future when we need to. And COVID then suddenly said, you need to do it now. And, and what's amazed me is how resilient and flexible and adaptable we all are um, as individuals and in some cases as organizations. And I think a lot of that resilience and adaptability comes from, well, certainly resides within people who have the skills and they have the, the competencies around um, being able to think out the box and do things differently. And, and so kind of that takes me to a point of how do you train and develop people for this resilience and, and to be able to pivot quickly as, as circumstances change? Um, both from a COVID perspective and and from the way in which the mining industry is changing and needing to adapt and adopt new ways of doing things. So, Brandy, I think you start by hiring people who have the ability to to be agile, who um, you know can operate at a, a certain level of cognitive functioning. I think that that's a very important part of it. And when we obviously when we're recruiting people, we spend a lot of time also looking at the personality dynamics that they they bring. You know, do they display a certain level of grit? Are they able to you know apply strong levels of of, of work ethic? So I think that's the the, the first. Um, sort of building block and then you have to ensure that your organizational culture continues to support people who, who bring that skill set into the business that you have developed a, a high performance culture one that is agile one that that has this sort of can do um, approach and, and attitude and you know I think we've all lived it over the over the last few months that it, it um, you ask a question you know what what would you you know, forget about um, COVID or, or what, what have you enjoyed during, during this time. And I personally have felt incredibly engaged during during the last few months because I've had the, the privilege of working with a team of people who were exactly that. You know, they were very focused on um, dealing with the, the challenge that, that we, um, on the situation that we found ourselves in and that they were able to completely adapt to what, 
had traditionally been a very site-based environment in which they were required to interact one-on-one or in, in meetings and had to change that quite quickly. So I think you can train people, obviously, the various different courses that, that you can um, let people uh, go on. And it's important to to do that, that formal training. But it's sometimes what we learn through through real-life experiences that helps us build the, the capacity to come at a challenge like COVID. And I think that that real life experience has been incredibly valuable. Absolutely. And if I look at our team, it's what they've learned through that, that through their careers that has allowed them to act on the environment. Yeah, it's, it's that real life experience that brings you curiosity and the ability to look at things from a different lens and to see the opportunity. And I mean, if anything, COVID has brought a huge amount of opportunities for many people who've been able to be curious about doing things differently. And I guess in some senses it's widened the gap for those who don't particularly have that mindset or haven't had the ability or the opportunity to develop that breadth of perspective and curiosity. Yeah, and I think that while um, they look to the left and look to the right, they've been able to see this amazing movement forward that um, shows them that what can be done in a crisis. And obviously we put all the the usual um, building blocks of a good talent management program in in place. So, you know, we've put a, a lot of effort in our organisation into building career paths and um, making it very clear the the competencies that are required to move from one level to the next and how those career paths can can change if if required. You know, we can track um, general worker can start at, at phrases and actually end up in a very senior role. And we have an, a number of different paths that, that they can take to get to, to that senior role. And we've um, documented exactly, you know, the, the technical competencies, the um, soft skills and um, all the financial competencies that one needs to obtain along the way and the way in which they can do it. So we have you know, specific phrase proprietary type um, training, you know, various different courses. In fact, we generally train the, the, the tailings industry and um, you know th- that's all available but when it comes to developing the ability to be agile and um, you know that's very much a individual and organizational culture driven sort of enabler. So what specifically is the role of human resources in bringing about this new normal and embedding what we want to keep from the impact of COVID in bringing forward a new normal? The role has been incredibly varied and wide-reaching. So obviously in the beginning, um, when it comes to to the management of COVID and and the change, it's dealing with understanding the regulations, understanding the the risk involved in in COVID, and I think that's that's one thing we must remember. Well, we have conversations about the new normal and how we we've reacted as, as organisations. It's a very real threat, you know. Um, people have lost their lives. People have been been very sick. People have lost their livelihoods, and um, you know we still have just under 100 people who are not back at work yet. And so we are in, in, and that's for various reasons, whether they have their own personal comorbidities or if we have work on certain sites where the um, total number of people on that site has, has been exceeded. And, you know, so as I say, various different reasons. But this is very real for the individuals in, involved. So helping 
workforce deal with the psychological impact, the financial impact of um, the phenomenon of COVID has been a very big part of, of our human resources team's responsibilities, helping our leadership understand the, the risks, understand how to mitigate the, those risks. Um, as an example, we had a group of uninsured lives in our organization and we had to sit down with our medical aid and come up with a, a solution that meant that d- if those individuals were to get sick, that they were able to obtain private health care. And it wasn't um, necessarily a, a product that one could buy off the shelf, but um, through constant in- engagement and, and um, intense in- engagement, we were able to, to put together a solution. So it's um, very much about the risk mitigation, but helping our employees navigate the, the change that they're experiencing. And, you know, it's one of those things we, we always like to plan um, very detailed change management programs. And, you know, we like to take the temperature of the organization and then we like to come up with solutions and, you know, and, and we run communication programs at the same time. But with COVID, we just didn't have that amount of time, mm. you know. So the the role there was to to help the organization get ready in an accelerated um fashion which is is not simple but um so far so good i think we've we've managed to do do so quite well we've made sure that our employees are supported that they had also i think a big part of that is that that your leadership and your management team had the tools that they required daily to um to operate and i think that was very important because those tools were different in april than they were in in january i mean you're you're describing dimensions of this lived experience that we're all having that are so different from person to person and the complexity of things that HR is needing to think about and to advise leaders on. And and it's really about kind of enabling care and growth and stability and structure for the organization and for the individuals in a way that nobody could have ever predicted and nobody could have ever planned for. Yeah, it's it's a very challenging position that you find yourself in and yet one that I think is incredibly exciting and and probably has thrust you into the future of human resources as well. 100%, you know, this idea that everything's possible and that I think th- there's always almost been a sort of messaging that's gone out to industry that is now's the time to act, you know, so... We were able at, at phases to, while we were managing the crisis, to ensure that our special projects office continued to run so that all of our innovative projects continued to get the attention that they, they required. We, we have one arm of that is digital transformation. And we, we were able to continue to go through our project plan around digital transformation and make the, the progress that, that was required during that time because I think there was a, a very different, definite realization that the the time to act was now, and that um, the world was going to be a different place. And while pre-COVID we had thought that, you know, we knew through our strategic planning that a number of these initiatives were important, but now we knew they were critical. So, Claire, what are the specific dimensions that, in your personal experience and the experience um, through the organisation, that women have particularly faced under COVID? Well, I 
think it's no secret, um, Bryony, that when it comes to to women, whether you are a single mom or whether you uh, share that responsibility in, in quite an involved household, that you always do carry just a little bit more of, of the, the homemaker responsibility. And, um, you know, I for one, I have a, an incredible husband and, and we really have a very strong partnership when it comes to managing our home and, and managing our family. But um, there's always just a little bit more responsibility that does get carried by by the mom. And I might get into trouble for saying that, but I, I do think <laughs> that, that that's the, the reality. Our audience is largely women. I'm sure they'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It it has been, um, I think, tough to to manage um, your home life and your your work life, which has been more intense during during this time. However, I think everybody's done done quite well. We have had more hours in the day. I mean, from a professional point of view, mostly people are, are working from home. Obviously, we have a lot of um, employees and, and members who are on site, and and that's different than than their day had remained quite similar, just with uh, you know additional PPE and and additional sort of screening requirements and. Maybe that was was quite difficult to to adapt to, but I think um, a lot of women have had to, you know, include homeschooling in their day. They've had to um, at the beginning of, of of lockdown. I think a lot of the assistance that they've had had um, wasn't available to them, and and so they've had to have you know really intensify their roles as homemaker, um, you know, mom, uh, school teacher at, at home, and then then professional. So I think that that is, has been been quite tricky. I, for one, you know, I quite enjoyed working from home. I've always uh, worked a bit at, at home and a, and a bit in the office, and I, I certainly didn't miss any traffic or, and I've enjoyed the fact that we were able to, to get so much done during during this time. I'm also lucky; my children are 11 and 15, so. Um, I didn't have any, um, you know, young children or babies walking in on meetings and um, our au pair also was was able to uh, do online schooling um, remotely. Uh, my daughter's dyslexic and so she, she needs quite a lot of help and our au pair was able to do that during, during this time. So that was a good strategy that then allowed me to to get on with, with managing the crisis that, that we found ourselves in. So yeah, I think um, there have been a, a, a lot of challenges, but at the at the same time, there have been a lot of pluses. You know, I've loved being in the same space as my family. Um, it's it's really great you know, to be able to, you know, have lunch together. Mm. <laughs> that that's been been quite special actually. So I think as long as you put certain strategies in place that allow you to do your job, I think there can be a lot of benefits. I do miss um, casual interaction. I miss making a cup of tea and having a chat to to someone who who doesn't um, you know normally who I wouldn't normally interact with in in our building through formal channels. So that I've missed a little bit. Um, it's quite good to uh, you know have have often those interactions and the things you learn about people and you learn about your the company that you you work for and you know maybe initiatives that you've put in place that might not have landed as well as they they should have through those those casual interactions but um you know we've we've tried as an organization to have a lot of town halls so that we we can continue to communicate on on that level and um certainly uh, the one thing that uh, 
I think um, has been uh, also a bit of a solution to to this challenge of of casual interaction is that our management team have met daily. So I personally learned a lot more about our operations and um, day-to-day management of our organization that I actually wasn't exposed to um, before COVID. So I think there have been very definite pluses to to our um, the current place we find ourselves. But yeah, I think it has been challenging for, for a lot of women. But at the same time, I think that industry has been quite understanding and had to had to sort of not sweep the small stuff, you know, and 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 almost realign what we consider to be important. So if a baby's crying in the middle of an audit and risk meeting, well, how important is that? Yeah, you know, really not, not that important. That important. <laughs> so, so exactly, you know, we're, while we're trying to figure out how we how we um, save lives and prevent the spread of infection, and and continue to do business in a in a very challenging environment, the baby crying in the background isn't the end of the world. So, let's sort it out and and move forward. So, I think you know there have been challenges, but they've they've certainly been um, lots of solutions to their challenges. And I think that's what I've been so proud of of the women in our industry is that they have completely one hundred percent risen to the challenge. Yeah, it's. I mean, I almost kind of feel that. COVID has given us a gift to experience each other as whole people, not just the person we bring to work. And there have been so many dimensions around spending more time with family and being able to kind of peer into each other's personal lives and appreciate each other more for what we are as human beings as opposed to just workers. 100%, even though it's over Zoom. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, (laughs) at least we have had Zoom or Teams or Google Meet or whatever we've been using. Can you imagine doing COVID without any of those? We would have been lost. Yeah, they've definitely been enablers. And as I say, they've changed a a lot of people's mindsets. So we've stopped talking and we've started doing in terms of our digitization. Yeah, exactly. So... As a final wrap-up question, Claire, this has been a wonderful conversation and it makes me wonder, we never could have predicted this and when we are children, we can never predict where we're going in our careers and and we have dreams and aspirations around who we're going to be and what we're going to do and how we're going to work and how we're going to live our lives. And so I want to ask you, what would be one thing that you, having had this experience, would tell your 10-year-old self and your 11-year-old daughter and 10- and 11-year-olds out there? I think to just be open to opportunities is is really the, the most important thing. And, and never constrain your thinking because so much is possible, you know. Um, and when we, when we talk about, you know, 10-year-old selves, we, we're thinking also about young girls who might be um, considering coming to work in, in the mining industry. And I think there, what's so important is that there are limitless possibilities mm. and limitless opportunities. And every, every day that that grows, you know, who would have thought that 20 years ago that we would be talking about, you know, whether it's it's driverless trucks or, um, you know, remote drill um, operation or various different other um, innovations. So there really are limitless possibilities in our industry. And, um, you know, just make ourselves open to them. Be as intentional as you can later on in life when it comes to, to your career development. 
But when opportunities do present themselves, make sure that you, you rise up and take them. I mean, what I'm hearing from that is dream, imagine, be curious, be intentional about being open to the opportunities and be curious about what's out there because there is every possibility of adventure ahead of you as a a 10-year-old self and asking the questions and being curious about what's out there and not just looking at what's straight in front of you is the gift, I guess, of the future for lots of 10-year-old boys and girls. Absolutely. And play, just play and enjoy the time. Because uh, play is the ultimate curiosity, right? Absolutely, 100%. You know, that, that's exactly how, how your mind is able to, to wonder and just enjoy the, the time that you have. Claire, thank you. It's been a privilege to have you on the podcast. Um, it's been lovely chatting to you. And as a past um, chairperson of Women in Mining, it's been great to have you supporting our mission to talk more about the role of women in mining, the opportunities for women in mining, and particularly during Women's Month, to be showcasing uh, various different women who are leaders in the mining industry. So thanks for joining me, and I hope you have a wonderful Women's Day and a wonderful Women's Month. Thanks so much, Bryony. It's been lots of fun, and yeah, congratulations to, to Wimso in 10 years. It really is an amazing achievement, and as I always say, I'm in awe of the amount of work that is is done by your committee of of volunteers and very, very proud of the, the legacy that we have. It's a wonderful legacy and we're happy to keep it going. So thank you very much and thanks as always for the support. Thanks, Brian. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.